And we are going to be continuing with our letters to the churches in Revelation. And we're continuing from chapter 2, verse 8 onwards, the, to the angel of the church in Smyrna, right? So it's a, I've got my own little testimony as well in the sense that um, I think we may be exposed um, Isabella too much in Brazil to healing and deliverance and, and setting people free I think from things in, in prayer ministry we were walking home from school and we, we, somebody was giving away free cooking apples and so we took the cooking apples home and we were preparing them and in one cooking apple a little worm popped out and Isabella stuck her hand out and said get out <laughs> uh, and then as I was leaving the house my, I had a little muscle spasm and then she said Daddy, in the name of Jesus, be healed. <laughs> I'm like, whoa, yeah, this is good. Yeah, she's she's getting there. She's getting there much better than me. So very, very bold. So it's good what God's doing, isn't it? There's no junior Holy Spirit, and just God working through our lives as we trust Him and serve Him. So the letters addressed to the angel to the church in Smyrna, right? And um, the, the the angel is the messenger, the pastor, the minister, the one who's there. Um, probably on the island of Patmos with John, who, as he's given this message, has to take it back um, to his church and tell them what Jesus Christ has to say to this church. And Smyrna is one of two churches where Jesus doesn't condemn them. It's good. It's amazing. He doesn't have any word of condemnation, just a word of, of encouragement and praise and that he's with them in their suffering. And Smyrna is definitely a church that's suffering, that's going through pain and hardship and difficulty. And Jesus is encouraging the church to stand firm, to be strong in all circumstances, to lean on him and trust in him and to know that he has suffered also, yet he has come through that suffering, that he was dead but now he has alive. And there's worse things than death. But for those who prevail in trusting Christ, there is eternal life and life forever and a hope to be held on. And so these are the words of him who is the first and the last, who died and came to life again. I know your afflictions and your poverty, yet you are rich. I know about the slander of those who say they are Jews and are not, but are the synagogue of Satan. Do not be afraid of what you are about to suffer. I tell you the devil will put some of you in prison to test you and you will suffer persecution for ten days. Be faithful even to the point of death and I will give you life as your victor's crown. Whoever has ears, let them hear what the Spirit says to the churches. The one who is victorious will not be hurt at all by the second death. Well, it's quite powerful words, isn't it? Words of encouragement, of do not be afraid. You're going to suffer, you're going to have hardship, you're going to have difficulty. And Smyrna and its location, it's the second church on the postal route after Ephesus. So they're doing it by post. So as they go along each church, that's how the route that the letters would go along to be delivered to each church. And Smyrna was a very particularly difficult place because it was a place where there was many temples to many different gods which the, the, the Romans worshipped. 
alongside um, burning incense and praying to, to the emperor of Rome. And so the people there, they face persecution because they refuse to worship the the Roman idols. They refuse to burn incense to the emperor because the Christians said there is only one Lord. Jesus is Lord, not the emperor. And to the point that we are saying Jesus is Lord meant that they might be put to death. That's incredible, isn't it? It just astounds me every time that when we so freely just spout out things about God and we say Jesus is Lord and we have the opportunity to proclaim it wherever we go, yet we don't say those words, yet it costs us nothing. There's no price to be paid. Only maybe an odd look from people who think you're a bit weird because you're talking about Jesus or you said you went to French classes. (laughs) What does it cost you to say Jesus is Lord? What's the price of saying that Jesus is the first and the last in my life? That Jesus is the most important thing that I submit and lay my life to Jesus and honor him and proclaim who he is in my life. He is Lord of my life. I'm not Lord of my life. Jesus is Lord of my life. You're not Lord of your life if you serve Jesus. Jesus is Lord of your life. Amen. But we don't have to just pronounce that because as Christians in the modern western world that doesn't cost us anything to say that Jesus is Lord does it but for these people to say Jesus is Lord was costly even just being associated with Christians or, or, or somebody claiming that person's a Christian I saw them pray I saw them hanging out with Christians could have cost them their life their livelihood their possessions their home it says that people they're suffering They're in poverty. In fact, the word says they're in famine. They're in hunger. They're in destitution. They're in despair because they've said Jesus is Lord because they refused to worship sacrifices because they refused to give in to the, the Roman society. And they choose to be different because being part of what the Rome is is to proclaim something different to who Jesus is. So they refuse to do it. Your gods are not our gods. We can only worship our God who is Jesus Christ, who is Lord and our Father in Heaven. If that costs us our life, we're going to worship Him. Wow, what a statement. What a faith. What a life. It can only be the Spirit of God moving within them to give a a joy that's overwhelming, a peace in those circumstances where their faith is costing their life, costing their life, livelihoods, putting them in poverty, putting them in famine, putting them in hunger. I'm sure there was lots of people looking around at these Christians and saying, why are these mad Christians being hungry? Why are these mad Christians just don't burn incense to the emperor? Why don't they just go to the temple and worship? Why don't they just go to the, 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 the trade guilds and just take part in it so they can get work and food? Because they know who their Lord is and they can't compromise on that. Even if it costs them their life. And to be part of um, Roman society in Smyrna and life, to make a livelihood, to, to get money, to get food, to, to have your home, you had to be part of a trade guild. It's a bit like Freemasonry and all the things today where you have to be part of rituals and things that, that you're part of this organization. And that's how you get your work. 
That's how you make it. And if you don't take part in that, if you don't go to the trade guild celebrations and their meetings where they're sacrificing incense to the, to the emperor, where they're worshipping their gods, where, which then led into orgies and sexual immorality and, and all the things that happened in that place. If you didn't take part in that, you didn't get work. And you were left in destitution and poverty. But the people in Smyrna, they believed it was worth the suffering. It was worth being in poverty. It was worth being in destitute. It was worth not having their livelihood. Because they had something greater than all those things which are Jesus Christ. And Jesus says to them, I am the one who died and came to life again. Isn't that amazing? Jesus says to you, if you're facing death or persecution, well, there's worse things. There's better. You know, you know, there's worse things than death, because of a Christian, death has no claim on us, does it? Our life is in Christ. I'm the one who's a die, dead, and alive again. You know, Muhammad died. Buddha died. They didn't come back to life again, didn't they? But Jesus has come back to life again, and he says to them. Death isn't the worst thing you can face. The worst thing you can face is not having eternity with me in heaven and my Father's presence because I've passed through death and I'm in a far better place now and the place that I'm destined to be in my Father's house. So stand firm. Don't be afraid because I died and I'm alive again. And you'll die and you'll be alive again. Don't let them take your crown. Don't let them take away your faith. Don't let them take away your inheritance. Don't let them take away your identity, your royalty. You're part of the royal family. You're God's family. The emperor might think he's royalty, but we know who truly is king. We know who is Lord. We know who rules this world. It's our Father in heaven. We declare it through Jesus Christ who is Lord. Amen. And so they say, you can take my life. But my life is for eternity with my Father in heaven. And he says, I know your afflictions and your poverty, yet you are rich. <laughs> I'm sure if I went on a pastoral visit and said, yeah, yeah, I know your afflictions, your poverty, but you're rich. Oh, he's a patronizing minister. <laughs> well, what does he know about it? <laughs> yeah, you would say that, wouldn't you? But... You know, they're not rich by worldly terms, are they? By worldly terms, it's awful. If you went to look at that Christian community, you'd be like, oh my goodness me, I don't think I'll join that church. <laughs> I'll find another one that's a bit more prosperous. This one's a bit, oh, it's a bit rough. <laughs> I'm not going to stay there, really. I, can't, I don't think I can, I can cope with that. So, um, and um, you would see them in affliction, in poverty, homeless, beaten down, put in prison yet they have a joy that says to them that they're rich that God looks at them circumstances and says I see your heart I see your affliction I see you're a church that is suffering but you're suffering for righteousness you're suffering for truth you're suffering for me you're going through this pain because you love me and you'll honour me at all costs but you are rich because you know me, you love me, 
And you have an inheritance which is greater than any jewel, any treasure, anything that can offer on this earth, any money, any job, any circumstances. You have something much greater. You have a royal inheritance. You have a, a heavenly father in heaven who loves you. And you have a treasure, a store, a mansion, a place beside God's, God's right hand. And that is much greater than anything this world can offer. And you're much richer when you have Jesus Christ, even if you have nothing. You are much richer than somebody who has, does not know Christ, Jesus Christ but are billionaires. You are richer than them because you have a greater treasure than them. Amen? Do we believe that? Do we take that into our heart? We are rich. Even in our poverty and our affliction, even when we have nothing, we have rich because we know who our Lord is. We know our destination. We know where we will spend eternity with our Father in heaven. We are rich. Can you imagine that sermon in that church? The people hungry and famine and skin to the bone, their skin to their bone, their children hungry and saying, you know, sharing bread amongst each other, saying, you know what? This is really tough following Jesus. It's really tough. We've sacrificed so much, but we're so rich because the Spirit of God witnesses this: how rich we are. How much we have. How precious is this thing. You see this is a church. It hadn't lost its first love. It knew who it loved. It knew who it served. So God has nothing against them. Christ has nothing against them. He has no condemnation because he sees they're suffering for him. And when a church suffers, you see it in the, in the world church. When a church has been persecuted on the other side of the world, be it Bulgaria, be it somewhere else, they're much closer to Christ than we are. They, when they have a national day of prayer, they will come and pray because they know what it's like to suffer and they know what it means to depend on Christ for everything. They know how rich they are when they have to. And so they come and they declare and they stand before God we need you God in these circumstances because we don't have anything else that will come and defend us or be for us only you so we call on you and when we become comfortable a bit like Ephesus and we become that functional church and we're doing things and we're, we're serving the, country, the, the, the community and we're doing things but our, our faith becomes cold our hearts become cold we lose that first love that passion of the cost of what it means to follow Jesus Christ. But this is a community who have not lost that first love. They're passionate. They're on fire to the point of death. And even in poverty, God says to them, you are rich. And you know what? When you're in difficult circumstances, you don't proclaim things that are negative. You proclaim what God will say. I remember we had an encounter with Marina, and I'm um, sorry, who are, they're not really here. No, they come back in there. <laughs> but they said something negative to Marina. She said, take it back, take it back. I don't want that in my life. Take it back. You know, and, you know, God has amazing things for us. And we should stop saying negative things about our life, about our church, about our circumstances, about our family, about hope, and start to proclaim what God has said. You are rich. I am with you. When you have me, you have everything. Let's proclaim that I have God, that I have his glory, that I have his presence, that I have his spirit, that God's plans for us are good and not bad, that God seeks to give us to prosper and to be with him in his presence. Even even in the midst of poverty and affliction and suffering, God is good and we are rich and we have everything in Jesus Christ so let's proclaim that and declare it and say God is with us so who can be against us
He said, I know about the slander of those who say they are Jews and are not, but are a synagogue of Satan. Do not be afraid of what you're about to suffer. You see, Smyrna didn't just have suffering from the Romans. They are suffering from the Jews. So the Jews, they couldn't do much about it. So the only thing the Jews could do was slander, was to accuse and to say things about the Christians that would get them into trouble to be persecuted and killed because they didn't like the Christian community growing. They saw Gentiles come in to meet with the Jews and to worship God, so they started to slander and come against the church in Smyrna, and they started to get the church in Smyrna in trouble and to cause difficulty. And the Christians, they were arrested, they were put in prison because of what the Jews did. And they says they're a synagogue of Satan because who's the accuser? What does Satan mean? The one who accuses. And if you accuse, and if you slander, and if you lie, who's your father? Satan. So therefore, we must be very careful. Our Father in heaven is about righteousness, and truth, and love, and dignity, and peace, and honor. It's a really difficult thing, isn't it, this church is facing? Romans on one side who want them to obey their society and their rules and will persecute them and kill them if they don't. And the Jewish community on the other side telling the Romans who the people are so they can kill them and persecute them and, and put them in prison. And Jesus says, do not be afraid. It's a synagogue of Satan because Satan is their father. He said, I tell you, the devil, will, the devil will, put you, will put some of you in prison to test you and you will suffer persecution for ten days. Be faithful even to the point of death. I will give you life as the victor's crown. The ten days is difficult because Revelation refers lots to Daniel. And so it could be talking about Daniel who was, when he was taken into captivity, they said, eat the emperor's food. And Daniel said to God, give us ten days to eat the food that we want, vegetables and such things like that. And after ten days, if we're not healthier, stronger and better than the people eating the king's food, then we'll eat the king's food. But let God do the demonstration of work. And, and God demonstrated to the guard that Daniel and the people who were Jews were stronger, fitter and healthier because they were eating the food that was, was according to God. And God's rules and purpose for them, rather than submitting and eating the king's food, and I'm sure the king's food was much nicer than vegetables, I'd have been tempted. <laughs> I'd have probably went for the king's food. I like meat. I don't like vegetables. <laughs> you know, so, but Daniel stood the test and he went ten days. And the guard said, wow, your God is with you. And so this could be a demonstration. Stand up to the suffering for ten days. Stand up to the persecution. Stand up, they will put you in prison. But in ten days, uh, you, they will see that God is good. It could also be that um, from this time of Smyrna um, to the end of Christian persecution, there were ten emperors. So it could be the fact you have to go through ten emperors, which is 250 years of suffering and persecution. That's not a nice message, is it? Thankfully, we don't live that long. So. <laughs> yeah, we probably get 50 years of it. Yeah, so that's good. God is good, isn't it? Blessing still. 250 years of persecution, and God just lets us a small part of it. So, um, well, that's quite a message. You're going to suffer 250 years of persecution. Yet, the church went from a few 6,000 people 
to almost 25 million people in that 300 years. It was most the most remarkable time of church growth that we've seen in the history of the church. <laughs> 250 years of persecution, but the blood of the martyrs grew the church. And the church grew and multiplied. As people said, faithful to God in this place, and God commends them. So be faithful even to the point of death and I will give you life as the victor's crown. Whoever has ears, let them hear what the Spirit says to the churches. The one who is victorious, it means the one who overcomes uh, the persecution, the suffering and the, the, the poverty and the hunger and other things will not be hurt at all by the second death. Amen. Isn't that wonderful? That should be our aim. You know, we're going to all going to die. But if you're in Jesus, you're going to rise again into your eternity, into your inheritance, into heaven. And you should be much more scared about the second death of not being in God's presence, of being in condemnation and being far away from God, rather than worrying about death in this life. So you worry about death in this life, you know, try to stop about it and worry more about, am I going to be in God's presence? Am I going to inherit his kingdom? I'm going to be in his will, because I know what, this life's short, you know, and I tell you, my back and things like that, it's only getting worse, isn't it? We're going to creak more and <laughs> in pain more. So I'm looking to that time in heaven when it's pain-free, when we're going to be in God's presence, no more tears, no more crying, no more suffering, just in the presence of God with those elders, throwing down our crowns before God and saying, I've overcome. I've served you and been faithful, and now I'm going to cry, Holy, holy, holy are you, Lord, and proclaim for eternity and worship with the angels in heaven. And I'm looking forward to that day. Isabella says, not too soon, Daddy, but I'm looking forward to that day when I can lay my crown before, my, before Jesus in heaven and proclaim his name as he picks that crown back up and says, no, it's your crown, keep it on your head, and I'll go back down again. <laughs> no, holy, holy is the Lord, I don't deserve that crown. I'm declaring, I've received that crown, but I'm declaring it before you, that you are holy, and I'm not worthy of it. You're the only one that's worthy. And I'm declaring that in my worship. You are worthy of it all. In Jesus' name. Amen.